0: Well, after that laugh, oh, yeah. we, can, we, can, we can get serious. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get serious now. The man. I was so pissed off yesterday. I was just pissed off at everything. Not to mention, like, I th- it, for sure, I will say a lot of it was carryover from last week. Hence, we didn't record last week on purpose, given Las Vegas, you know, exactly seven days ago that all that stuff happened. It's like, okay, no, we're not recording today. And then the Tom Petty, like, before the Tom Petty thing had happened, I'm like, okay, we're not recording, like, I just, because my thing is, like, okay, moving with life, that's the concept. It's like, how do you move from that? Instantly, I mean, you want to move on, you want to go forward with life, that's kind of, like, the point, but at least for the, for last Monday, you know, we can let it go. And and even then, I, I, uh, luckily, I kept the entire unedited episode with Gonzo. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in that piece, I did cut out, and it turns out it was 20 minutes worth of of content that I cut out that didn't make the actual release. So, um, and in that piece, it was when I went, I talked about like military, not taking things for granted, and then like the song Aim Arms instead, you know, stuff like that. So, I was able to piece that together and then push that so people can hopefully use it and reflect on it. And also, it's new, it's essentially new material, so it's it's not like it's been heard before. But now we're here, and one thing that, when me and Brian met, I guess it was two weeks ago now, uh, one of the, there was, a, there was a piece that I wanted to talk about that I couldn't remember because I thought I had written it down. Turns out it was my phone, and I told Brian, like, man, I'm going to remember this later on, and then I was like, no, I wouldn't have never remembered it because I, I, it was my fucking phone, so mm-hmm. I was like, damn it, and the the piece that I was thinking about, I, I don't even, even want to bring up the episode, I guess episode 37, somewhere along there, I had forgotten my train of thought because I had forgotten this point that I thought I wrote down, but it was my phone. Anyways, the point of it was, you know, feeling like what you do is never enough because that's how I've been feeling. So then I was like, man, okay. So I kind of pondered, it then I I wanted to bring it up, but then, uh, and I've I've listened to this particular doctor. She, Dr. Brene Brown, she has done all her research at the University of Houston. Uh, Actually, she started Right after 9-11, and her research involves everything with shame, guilt, vulnerability, you know, um, she even has some stuff on, invul- like, to, to be invulnerable, which I haven't gotten into, so hopefully, I'm gonna, uh, my plan is to bring that for, like, the next podcast, because today I just want to talk about shame and guilt and, like, the definitions she's given now and how it's impacted our, like, society and, uh, and, I th- and then also throughout my listening, cause literally from yesterday to today, I listened to, like, maybe eight hours of material And and uh, I was like, man, okay, there's something here because my main connection was the fact that like, man, one of the factors of shame and or guilt is like feeling like you're never enough or feeling like what you do is never enough. And then how that makes you not want to be risk or makes you risk adverse and then makes you hesitate to take action and whatnot. So I feel like it was appropriate and we could definitely bring it up uh, tonight uh, what I do want to start with is a couple of questions that, of course, I, I've, these are all my questions that I have derived from the material, but uh, first two questions. What's your first thought in the morning when you wake up, and what's your first action when you wake up? Whoever wants to go first. I don't know about my first thought. It's
1: always just kind of like, okay, I got to shower, because <laughs> okay. I prefer to shower in the morning, so that's my first thought, and I guess my first action after getting off out of the bed is... Take a shower. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. <clears throat> in the mornings, especially lately, oh man, I hate it. I've been waking up later than than I should. Then yeah. Okay. That's fair. So it's my my brain is all like in a panic almost like I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta <laughs> you go. You're in a rush. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't have very very clear thoughts immediately after waking up.
0: I'm kind well, of the same. I'm sorry. Sorry. Let's so, so, so that. So, I guess. So, first action is just get up, take a shower. Uh, so far lately, it's been first action, get up, take a shower. That's your first thing yeah. in action. I okay. Gotta get, get a at get the door. Roger that. Eddie.
2: My bad, Andy. Sorry. Um, yeah, I guess I'm kind of the same uh, as Brian in some extent. Um, to some extent, sorry, but a little bit flip flopped because for me, I've been subbing like a lot lately, substitute teaching. So I've been having to get up earlier than I usually get up. <laughs> so my body's. <laughs> adjusting to that uh, pretty greatly actually because like we just got off the road like from this past weekend right and and regardless of how absolutely drained and tired i was i still woke up right at the dot 7 a.m so i mean that's just a sign of how you know how much i've been doing that lately but kind of all the same and like i'm thinking about what i'm gonna put on what i'm gonna wear i usually wear like a collared shirt to work like a polo or something you know teaching kids all day gotta tuck this shirt in gotta get khakis gotta you know, at least like wet my hair, wash my face a little bit. I, I shower at night now because I don't want to get up early enough to yeah. shower in the morning. <laughs> but um, you know, so there's that routine. But like an in-depth like look at the look into what's going on in my thought process is like the maybe like the two minutes before I arrive to the school. I'm like, okay, happy face, happy face, <laughs> smile. You got coffee. Say good morning. Be kind. Like, you know. Cause I'm there, like in the hallway when the when the parents are coming in. Cause the I've been subbing for like uh, like, like just this one position. It's a vacancy spot right now at the school. Ooh. So yeah, I've just kind of been like hanging out for that spot for them for like a little over a month now. So my room's like right like next to the hall, like the main hallway where parents are walking in and out to walk their kids to class. And yeah. hi, buen dia, buen dia, good morning, whatever. Just yeah. You know. And so I'm just constantly trying to think like smile, be nice, be kind kids Little checklist. yeah pretty much actually
1: <laughs> yeah same like when i'm as i'm pulling up to work i'm like what do i have to work on that's priority today so as soon as i finish my morning reports i gotta start working on certain things basically the same
0: Interesting. yeah I, i'll just give a quick scope of mine as well um first thing <laughs> this is literally my first thought i wake up I'm like, don't get on social media don't get on social media like that that's been my thing as of late like yeah. for me because lately i've been working like tuesdays and thursdays i work early in the morning and then monday wednesday and then fridays i'm off like as far as like my day job i'm off or if i'm, if I'm substituting then of course it changes but my first thought is always don't get on social media don't get on social media don't on social media so then my first action is get off my damn bed <laughs> because it, it literally takes me a while like i mean i still like i do like i said usually my mornings are really up to me like i i, I do have to make usage of them because i do have them available because that's just the way things are working for me right now. And uh, the reason why I bring it up is because one of the, or two of the questions is, uh, that Brene brings up is uh, that I want to leave rhetorical and we can ponder on is how much do we know about ourselves and how, much, how, and how do we treat ourselves? You know, there's a difference. You know, having that insightful, and what I'm calling self-awareness, you know, taking these questions um, that can further develop ourselves. Um, because from there, Brene brings up compassion. And I know I feel strongly about this up until now that I'm like, okay, this is, I have to like, kind of reverse, reverse engineer my thinking. She's, and I think maybe we brought it up subtly, but where some people, and this is myself included, uh, caring about others more than you care about yourselves. And I know I struggle with that. And the question I want to lead into is how's your self talk been lately?
2: Like, self-talk as in just, like, how to like just how you communicate with yourself and, mm-hmm. like, uh, when something g- When
0: something goes good, how's your self-talk? When something goes bad, how's your self-talk?
2: It's usually, like, that was rad or that was not so rad, <laughs> but it's my inner voice. But, I don't know, I guess, like, self-talk for me lately, um, I don't know if I tend to do too much reflecting when things go as planned, because I think for me, like, when things go as planned and when the goal gets accomplished, it's like, good, that's what was supposed to happen, so... Yeah. No need to like high five, bro. Pat yourself on the back. You did what you were supposed to do. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) like there's no, uh, there's no really big celebration for me there. I think, uh, I think more often than not, when things don't go the way I was hoping they'd go or planning to execute, uh, that's kind of when it's kind of okay. We got to like sit back and analyze, like, what could have, what could we done better? What are we going to do for the future? Um, you know, just uh, how are we gonna turn this into a win next time? You
1: know? Same. I reflect more when, when things go badly, mm-hmm. just to try to <coughs> avoid that in the future. Yeah. And then when things go well unexpectedly, then is when I'm like, all right, like, <laughs> <laughs> good wow. deal. You know, that's
2: very true. Right? Actually, when yeah, when it doesn't happen the way you think, yeah. Yeah. It's very true.
0: Yeah, and the reason why I I did com- I did think of that, and then right now as I was listening to one of her one of her uh, actually her TED talk. So interesting interesting just to give I guess a brief background on Brene, is like in two- i guess two thousand one she did a ted talk University of Houston and uh it was like June two thousand one no two thousand ten sorry sorry but sh- th- but this was because she'd already done her research right and she talks about how she just dis- she talked to a bunch of people she started doing like smaller research like it's just a smaller scope of research and it had to do with uh People who love themselves wholly, you know, wholehearted people that love themselves, and then go out and are vulnerable, like they're, you know, they're they're authentic in that sense alone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, she talks about how she was gonna use her one year to do all this research and smack vulnerability with her measuring stick because she her her research professor said if you can't measure it, it doesn't, it doesn't it's not there's no there's no uh, what do you say if you can't measure it. There's no, well, essentially value. There's no value. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's not quantifiable. Exactly, exactly. So she, so, and uh, now she's a qual- qualitative researcher. You know, she considers, herself a qual- she considers herself qualitative research. But, you know, in, the, in this first year, when she got done with her first year of, of research, it turned into five more years. So six years of interviewing people because she's a so, so, social scientist. And uh, I thought that was very interesting because that's one of those uh, things that's like one year turned into six, and I don't—I okay, know, I can't remember this part because I didn't write it down. But I don't know if it was—it was after the first year or after the sixth year. But she had to get a therapist herself, herself, because in her in her findings to hammer down on vulnerability, she's like, "Oh my God, like I have a I have a problem." So then she goes to her her therapist and says vulnerability is needed and shame shame is like one of the bigger things that that needs to be dealt with that people maybe don't and people don't talk about it either right and she's like I don't want to get back into my history I don't want to talk about my childhood I don't want to talk about my parents don't give me the let's let's skip the bullshit just give me stuff I can just give me tools that I can use and her her therapist was like hmm okay and Brene's like, oh shit, <laughs> like, and he's like, and then there was like, this is nor good nor bad. It it is what it is, which I thought was interesting because I feel like to tran- to now to transition for us uh, into like shame or guilt. The way Brene brings it up is uh, an example is like, okay, guilt is sorry I made a mistake, you know, you you failed the test. Man, I wish I would have studied harder. Versus shame, where it's like. Man, I'm stupid for not getting a better grade. And I thought that's very interesting because it's just it just the uses of words. And one example I want to give, I don't I don't know if you guys can give an example. Of maybe you guys seen in in the workplace or something. But my latest example was a student. I was substituting maybe two weeks ago, and this sixth grader, uh, he was like just thriving. He just wanted attention. Like he he wouldn't stop walking around. He would get up from his chair. I'm like, sit down. Like I was I was getting frustrated. So then finally my my tactic always with kids is to if they if they if they're doing that, they're asking for attention. So I then go sit with them. And I'll sit in the ch- in the student's desk next to them. I'll move the student and I'll sit next to them. And finally it comes out, Sir, I can't do this, I'm stupid anyways. And I was like, okay, there there it is. And it's just like I, I don't know if you guys wanna expand on maybe some experience that you guys have had with visual or maybe maybe something you have, like the whole point of this episode is vulnerability, and that's what I wanted. That's what I really want to get into. Uh, but it was just interesting hearing that child, and then listening to Brene Brown talk about shame, talking about. I I mean, for me, normally before this conversation, I would normally associate guilt and shame kind of the same, at least in the same sentence. You know, I never looked up the definitions to like separate them, but she does separate them. She's like, no, guilt is when you. And another example she gives is like. If someone gives you a glass of wine, a red wine, you have a white carpet and you drop it, do you go tell the, the host or hostess, sorry, I dropped, the, I dropped it, you know, I hope you clean it up, whatever. Or do you say, "Ah, oh, they're, they're stupid for doing that, you know, putting shame on that person for making a decision, for, for but essentially you dropping you dropping the wine. And I don't know if you guys have any examples as far as that. Eddie, do you have, do you have anything like that that you've seen at the, at the elementary school?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, there's one that comes to my mind pretty instantly, actually. It's uh, I've been dealing with uh, being in this. I was talking about how I haven't been like a permanent sub for this thing, but I've been doing a, a lot of that work for that position. And it's a, a resource position, right? So um, times have kind of changed since we were in school. I think, you know, back then, like, special ed meant, like, you know, kids with the, the mental learning disabilities, you know, the uh, uh, mental retardation. I think yeah. that's, like, the actual, like, diagnos- diagnosis, diagnosis. right? So it's, it's like, yeah, like special ed used to mean like for those kind of kids, and now they call those kids unit, right? And so now special ed is actually just kids with like really low learning curves. So like they just don't learn as fast, and like mm-hmm. they're in fifth grade, but they're reading levels like at second grade, third yeah. grade, or whatever, you know, et cetera. So I've been working a lot with those kids, and there's one kid that pops in my head really instantly when you were starting to talk about your experience with, uh, with your kid. And, um, well, this one he, like, starts to put his head down and pretend like he didn't get enough sleep last night, and he starts to, like, just kind of close his eyes, and he's like, oh, I'm wandering off. Like, I'm going to, like, like not off. I'm kind of falling asleep. And I tell him, hey, pick your head up. And he, like, takes him, a w- like, a couple of times to listen, and then he finally does it. So that's kind of, like, one tell I've kind of been picking up on him with, you know, he gets to a point in his work where, okay, he can't do it anymore. He puts his head down, and he pretends that he's falling asleep or that he didn't get enough sleep. Mm. And then... Uh, s- I'm trying to think of what else he does. Um, when he can do the work, it's totally fine. Like, he's all about it. Like, w- when it's at his level or when it's something he understands, comprehends, he's good. He's good. But, um, man, I'm trying to think so hard about
0: Well, l- does, l- let's Let's keep going. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's all right. So, it, it's interesting that you say, you know, he he feels like he gets sleepy. Uh, one of the things Brene does bring up as far as, like, that whole sleepy thing that I'm going to bring up, say, here right now is she says... Shame-based fear of being ordinary. Like, shame basically gives you a reason to not go about your day. And one example she gives is, like, when you wake up or if you wake up, usually a lot of people say now in in our society right now, I didn't get enough sleep. And then when you're going to sleep, you're like, damn it, I didn't do enough. So it's like never being satisfied is one of the things she brings up. And that's interesting that he's already – Essentially, I mean, we don't, we won't know him until we, until let's say you work, let's say you work with him for a year or two years. Let, you know, if you were to work with him long term, that'd be interesting to see what, how, how he ends up being. Because if he's already in that state, you know, there, I mean, and again, I've, I've brought this up where like we can only get, of course, so hands-on with the students because they're gonna go home, and whatever's happening at home. That's what's feeding them the shame or that's what's feeding them the guilt. Depending on their parents, then that's where you tell them. That's where all this connection comes in. And, and one thing Vernet talks about connection is, is that you have to be willing to let go of who you thought you should be in order to be who you are and that and a lot of stuff that I'm going to say right now like or throughout this episode is like stuff that I, I took verbatim as best as I could from from Brené just because I don't, I didn't want to get it wrong which is funny cuz it's like we're talking about vulnerability and talking about making mistakes to do it to do that um, anyways uh you know letting go and and being yourself which, I th- which which I think is interesting because Eddie you have music and that's a connection I made when she brought up connection and and how we're trying to do that. I'm essentially trying to have a good conversation for us to build on and think about, develop some seeds for listeners and for ourselves here in the room. And then Brian, you have the intranaut, which is, that's you, that the intranaut. Like, it's like, that's a piece of you. And that's the way you're making a connection with your little tribe of intronauts.
1: And interesting enough that we're talking about, like, vulnerability and stuff, and then you bring up the intranet. I've been, at first, I was, like, when i When I started like the social media pages for it, I wanted to be completely like anonymous behind it like i I wanted the internet to just be its own like entity and n- no real connection with me mm-hmm. <coughs> because I knew that with what I post on there and and or what I p- could potentially post on there I, I still didn't know exactly what i was gonna what what I was gonna put on the on the pages, but I knew that potentially I'd be Giving like a piece of myself away in a sense, yeah. so it's interesting that y- that you bring it all up. And on this episode, I don't know if, I, if that's where you're going with it, but I've been very like hesitant sometimes to post certain things because I'm like, fuck, like the people that that follow the page and know that it's me behind it, like they're gonna have some insight to me that I don't I don't know that if I'm no ready. Yeah, that I don't know if I'm ready for these people to know. Like I have no problem putting it out to strangers, but when people know that it's me, it's like, uh. I don't know.
0: And that's interesting <laughs> because uh, one of the one of the definitions uh, Brene brings up was like shame is the fear of disconnection. So it's interesting that you have like the fear of connection. Of <laughs> connection. So 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 it's interesting because the, the only the only time you don't have shame is when you're a I don't know sociopath or plec- psychopath either way it's one or the other that she that she brings up I, and for me I don't want to get too deep into that because I don't I didn't do enough like research on that or wait, go ahead. So go ahead is is ahead. it
2: like the so shame is the fear of disconnection from like society. Or from what?
0: It, at this point, that I understand, it can be from just disconnection. So the tribe of us three here in the room, the tribe of me and you, Eddie, with the guys in the band, the tribe of you and your and the students at, at school, the ones you work with, you know, that your tribe, uh, your household. Because she brings up, uh, and I'll eventually get into this, but like, you know, having one of the things she brings up is having tough conversations in in the household. It's just shame, fear of disconnection in wherever you're at it almost seems like it's like shame is like the
1: fear of not fitting in almost yeah
2: that makes sense like it for me it ties back to you know joseph campbell and the power myth and he talks about the importance of society and societal structure and then of course it's i mean the power of myth is the title of the book so he talks about mythology and religion and Mm -hmm. how that plays into society's roles etc etc um you know and he talks about the whole reason that you know, gangs become a thing or uh, gangs are formed in the first place is because it's a group of outcasts who have not been accepted into regular society because they didn't fit that, that norm. They weren't initiated, quote, initiated into society. Yep. You know?
0: Yeah, same thing. And one thing, actually, and Brene brings up religion because, and it's not even, it's not even to get into, into religion, it's the fact that religion used to be of faith and mystery. And now all the uncertain has to be certain. And there's so much binary things now, or we need to be like Brian. A lot, a lot of your stats, like you, that's that's the way you kind of work. And it's interesting because the connection I made when she brought up this was the fact that you like you love, or I will say you love working on Excel. It's mm-hmm. binary. Yeah. The e- the the equation on the top of the line is either right or wrong, and you're gonna get either get all the data right or all the data wrong. Yep. And it's it. I don't know. That's just a side connection that I made. I was like, man, like, like it's interesting that Brene has done this from 2001 to t- the research I've taken is from 2001 to 2013 and like listen to it now in 20 2017 us, it's like, damn, like all these connections. I'm like, man, like I, I do still, it takes me to a, a different, a new place now of like, okay, of besides self-understanding, it takes me to a place of like, okay, like what, what are the connections are there going to be between ourselves as 25 year olds 26 year olds now, and her, when she, she was doing this at age, age 33. So imagine, like, you know, being that much ahead, essentially, you know, and, and how, it, how it could enhance our way of thinking, our, our way of communicating as well, and our way of wanting to connect with other people and then st- strengthen the connections that we have today, right now. Super interesting. Man, my brain's still like working. I brought up, this was, epi- I think it's episode 37. I have it written now. I think it's episode 37. Let's see. 37, no. 30, episode 34, when I did, we did the Wandering Not Wandering with Frank Brian. Um, I brought up one of the topics I brought up because of Jason Isbell, which you watched The Bridge now. So it's all that, all of that was derived from that, uh, just his commentary, not even his music. But uh, one of the topics I, I had wanted to talk about there was, you know, having fear, period, and then the fear failing. And one thing that i I don't know if you guys can give some insight is uh, how did your parents react when you failed and then did you did you do you how was your failing structure when you were younger if any
2: Well, I feel like my parents reacted as I feel like good parents would whenever I failed in the sense that like they still motivated me motivated me to drive forward and just kind of, you know, keep my chin up and and figure it out and just press on, you know. Right. And just take it as a learning experience instead of a loss. And even like I remember uh, being in elementary school and, you know, chess was such a huge thing back then. So I was heavily involved in playing chess and we do tournaments like almost every weekend just about or at least every other weekend. And uh I remember Mr. Krismer from uh, from where I went to school, Canterbury Elementary. He was the chess coach and and he would always say, um you know, we'd have to report if we won or lost to him for every round, right? Okay. And so I'd have to, like, go find him, tell him if I've won or lost. And and so his rule was if you lost, um, you didn't lose, you learned. So whenever we went to go tell him, like, what happened, well, if we lost, we say, we learned, you know? And then he would follow up by saying, what did you learn? And we'd have to give him an answer before we could, like, you know, scamper on. Go. Yeah. Go play wall ball in between <laughs> rounds or whatever. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, uh, so and that's and that's you know the way Mr. Crismer was. It's kind of how my parents were. Now when it came down to um, something that that I was doing that my dad was heavily involved in as a child, I think he was a little more stern on me. Like as I remember one particular experience where like I only showed animals in in 4-H for like a year. I showed lamb, and well my dad is like heavily involved with with all of that it, as far as like animals and ranching. Like he's a freaking cowboy man. Like right, just head yeah, to toe. And um, he's, a defini- he's a definition. of Yeah, he, he calls himself a rancher before he's you know an oil-filled worker, which is what he does full-time, you know? right. but he says he's a rancher above everything else. So I mean that, that's who he is, that's his background and So that one year of my life, like seventh or eighth grade, when I was showing animals, um, I remember there was one competition, it was a showmanship competition, which it has nothing to do with the animal itself. Usually, the competition is about who has the best quality animal mm-hmm. right that's ready for market. And so the showmanship round is not even about your animal. It's about you. It's about, like, how you, you know, how you're a showman, how well you present your animal. And I just, like, totally didn't get that concept and and uh, totally just bombed it, you know, mm. I just, like, in every way possible. I was, like, focused so hard on, like, just bracing my animal. And, and my animal didn't necessarily do a good job listening to me. And I didn't necessarily do a good job handling the animal at all. So... When it came to showmanship, I was, like, way south on the line. Yeah. So uh, my dad was super pissed about that. And I remember him, like, really, really, like, digging into me on it. And that was, like, one of the only things he's ever, like, really dug into me on. But that's always, like, stuck with me because that's something that, that I feel like he would take a lot of pride in me doing well in. Yeah.
0: Did, okay. Did, this is this is kind of a good. like, We can kind of tell onto this. Did that? Okay. Th- and this is this is part of like the whole shame versus guilt type thing, and like the difference between like what women have to deal with and what men have to deal with, quote unquote. Um, did it make you feel weak? The fact that you weren't able to, uh, you know, in this case, you know, you you weren't sufficient in in this
2: venture. I, th- I think it did, but not as heavy as it could have, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I just didn't care. It was, it was something that my parents wanted me to try for a year, and if I didn't like it, then I didn't have to do it anymore. Right, okay. okay. And, I mean, from day one, I was like, yeah, I'm never going to do this again. Right. You know, so uh, in my mind, I was already... Yeah, you are already out the
0: door. That's, yeah. That's interesting, because, you know, we, we've already talked about, like, you know, if it's not a hell yeah, don't do it, and just, you know, try, yeah. try to at least mitigate. Now, you know, there's some things that we, we have to, like, lengthen to, to move on to the next venture, but, uh, yeah, well, I guess that's, well, that's still good. Uh, in, in the sense of, of course, it's good, but in the sense of, like, I just think of uh, stuff that, like, I guess, not comparing myself, but just giving my, my growing up was, like, I was never allowed to quit. You know, I I I, I played baseball all the time, you know, all the time, and I, and, you know, uh, what's another thing I did? Well, I think baseball was probably the primary thing up until fifth grade, sixth grade, when I started playing peewee football, and then from there it was everything, but, you know, I never quit and i at least in my head i felt like i wasn't allowed to now I, i'm i can imagine now if i told my parents if i asked my parents hey if i was able to quit was would i be able to <laughs> and i maybe maybe they would say yes you know and 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 but for me in my head i was also you know just never uh but i was always in the middle because like i'd get tired but you know I, I but i never i never i never tried to i do remember however one time though um i did take one year off and it was the worst spring of my life like at the moment because i went to baseball games and i was like I should be playing. Like, what the hell am I doing? Waste like, and not even waste, I even mean, wasting. I was, I was like eight. You know, it's like, it's like I was older. Wasting my life. <laughs> was wasting my life not playing baseball. <laughs> Smoking a cigar in, <laughs> in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little glass of whiskey, <laughs> cigar, <Yeah. laughs> some scotch in a brown
1: bag. <laughs> should be out there right now. Like damn,
0: <laughs> like Babe Ruth. <laughs> but oh man, that's just that's just interesting because well. I'm, well, I guess also, maybe it was like a, like a routine type thing. Because see, like in that sense, I was never like putting something new and giving it, giving it a chance for a year. It was like I had been pay- playing piano for X amount of years already by this time. And then baseball just overtook everything. So there's never anything new, which is interesting. Like, which it's totally different, and I don't want to, you know, blabber too long. But it's just, it's making me think now. because like, hmm, you know, it's totally different, you know, just totally different way of maneuver. Because at that time, you know, my dad was out on the road, you know, three weeks, a month at a time. And it was just, it was just totally different, you know, totally different lifestyle to what it ended up being post age 15, you know, to what it is now. Yeah. Brian? Man, the one thing
1: I can remember
0: <coughs> that um,
1: that I guess not, not necessarily that I failed at, but that I quit was...
0: Uh, well, your parents, it's your parents reacting to like you... Failing at something like it, was, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get your parents' perspective at the never, moment. They never,
1: they never. I don't remember like necessarily failing at anything because I was never like, for example, elementary, middle school. I was never really like that involved mm. in in anything other than just school.
0: You ever, I don't know if I ever asked this question, but have you? Ever, did you ever fill a class? Like, I'm just, I mean, you don't have to answer. I mean, it's kind of like hardcore. I I think
1: I I think I failed a class in high school. I just failed what was it, by six weeks, right? I failed, like, one six weeks, one class. And I don't even remember my parents found out. <laughs> 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 but. How's that? But I don't remember. I, yeah. d- I, I, I don't remember how that went. Okay. Intercepted
2: that report card in the mail. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, something. But I think, uh, yeah, I actually, I did fail because we were supposed to go. Uh, Rogers threatened me to not go into the Kingsville Jazz Festival. Oh. But it wasn't even UIL, so I technically I could still go. Yeah, yeah. But he yeah. was like, "Nope, you're not going. You're not going. You're not going."
0: How did that make you feel, knowing, because we've talked about Mr. Rogers and how you know how we, honestly, is, how he dude, honestly, us and how because
1: my parents didn't find out, I felt like I felt pretty bad that I like disappointed him.
0: Yeah. And I was like, "Fuck." Yeah. And he, like he was that figure at that. Yeah. I, I guess because we were just with him all so yeah. lo- so much, you know, throughout the four years of high school, that it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's. He's he's definitely one of those sculptors that we had we've had like you know you uh, Eddie had Dr Butts it's like okay we have Mr Rogers yeah
1: and like during that time like my mom was working a lot so I and I was spending like a lot of time at school with like different band practices like mm-hmm. marching band there was jazz there was all valley stuff like that so I I do think there was <laughs> there was a very big opportunity to not <laughs> give my mom the report card or for her not to see it yeah um so I think that's why she never found out. Um, but Mr. Rogers knew, and yeah, he didn't want to let me go to Kingsville, but I think Aguilar like, convinced him to.
2: <coughs> Aguilar needed you, bro. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Like I, uh, it's funny you're like saying all this, and it's like it's kind of coming back to my little memory box here, which has been happening to me a lot lately. <laughs> I've been getting a lot of random memories popping up, but I remember this one, especially now that you're talking about it, because I remember... Finding out about it through the grapevine or whatever, uh-huh. and I was like, damn, it's like Brian's like the best. <laughs> He's the best fucking sax player, dude. What what the fuck are they gonna I was like, what I was are they gonna like, do? <laughs> dude, oh my god. I was oh, like so invested you in so your sax playing. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not apparent enough.
1: Like, uh, okay, so so that happened, right? I wasn't gonna go and I felt pretty shitty because I was like, How the hell did I feel? I forgot what class it was. I was like, How did I feel? And like Rogers knows I'm not gonna go. And then, uh, and then Aguilar got me to go and I was like, shit, like all this is bullshit. Like everybody can break the rules yeah, like, in my you head.
0: You can definitely bend the rules <laughs> pretty, sp- you can bend the rules farther than you think. Yeah. And, and it was like a,
1: like some points to my ego. I was like,
0: Oh wow. Like I'm good. I'm good enough for these
1: people to like break the rules for me.
0: Yeah. They're, they're, w- they'll, they'll make an exception for you. Exactly. exactly, and I was like, "That's not good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's not good at <laughs> <laughs> all." Did, did you think that
0: then, or that, is this a retrospect? Like, th- like that's not good. That's that not good. Thing. I think I think I'm thinking that
1: now. Yeah. But back then, I was just like, "Damn, I'm good."
2: Yeah. <laughs> Knowing Rogers, though, he probably still didn't let you get away with some stuff. Like, like he probably rode you hard for like the following he, months, right? Well, no, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. He was
1: on he was on my ass about my grades after that for like just one six weeks. Because honestly, I had never failed a class yeah, yeah. until that point, and that was like my either my sophomore or junior year in high school, and I was like, "Fuck." Like I felt like shit because I'd never failed a class before, <clears throat> and that yeah, that made me feel bad. But then they made me feel good. <laughs> but Bless. yeah, but after Bless. that, Rogers was was on my ass about my grades for like just the volume six weeks.
2: You know what's funny is that uh, even though Rogers was never like one of my instructors, but I mean we lived right across the hall from you guys. Like, right, r- yeah, The orchestra yeah. is right across the the way from band to skip and a hop. And, uh, but Rogers had like such a presence in that music building that it was kind of like, damn, like, I didn't want to disappoint him anyway. <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't even, I never knew the guy really well. Like, we maybe chatted a couple of times here and there when we did like full orchestra competitions, yeah, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, that's interesting because, yeah. oh man, because imagine like him, because, and
0: we, ev- eventually I want to scope into vulnerability as a whole. I mean, like the definition. Right now, I'm just, I'm just scoping all these things like shame and guilt so we can get a, a. A good, I guess, perspective on what's le- what leads to the invulnerability and why we should, essentially, according to Dr. Brown's research, why we should be uh, vulnerable. But, like, in Mr. In Mr. Rogers' case, where he, he always had his... his The way Brene would, would probably put it is, like, he was never small. He never had his chest puffed out, but he stayed in his lane. And he was very consistent. Mm-hmm. And because and one of the things of vulnerability, now we can... Let's kind of start venturing into that, is like women are scared and they go into shame or they fall into shame or guilt because their life is built on comparison. Like, oh, I have to have these hips. I have to have this body. I have to, have, I have to be able to do, wake up the kids, shower them, get them ready for school, pack their lunches and send them to school. And they have to pick them up, take them to extracurricular activities, and do all this other stuff. So all I put for that in short is like comp- uh, comparison times ten. 10x, tanks x of, of comparison, you know, and for men, whenever we think of vulnerability and in, in the way in our social s- culture right now here in the United States, for the most part, I'd say, and one thing that she springs up is like, you know, men don't want to be seen as weak, you know, and playing that middle ground of like not being weak, but yet being vulnerable enough, enough. to make a connection and, you know, be and essentially that's what builds your authenticity Uh, according to the research that you know Brene has done like i said the only reason why i'm bringing up this and i say research is because i trust it and it's interesting because it goes along with my mind my thought of like never being enough and one of the things she brings up is like that your thought is either you're not good enough or who do you think you are which we've i think we've all talked about that and i think for sure me and brian talked about that of you know, when we get to a certain idea or something, it's like, man, why should anybody buy our product? Why should anybody believe us? And I know that's definitely how I th- I'm i going to just throw it out there. I think gener- not, maybe not even 80%, but I feel like there's a lot of millennials that feel like that. We feel like, who are we to present something? Then, then there's other, those other millennials that are like, well, then they take that ego and they just run with it. And like, oh, I do deserve this. Like, well, who the fuck? And that's where I say, who the fuck are you to, to think that you deserve anything? Like, what, yeah. you know... And uh, and for me, it's it's a big dichotomy, and I, I wonder what you guys take is on that, you know, as far as, you know, us as men. And that's, that's, one, that's one thing that I started transitioning my... Com- the way I talk is, like, you know, being a 25-year-old adult, trying to figure shit out, <laughs> you know, like, like trying to do this research, trying to take these questions and figure shit out. And, you know, half the shit, I don't know where the hell I'm going with this in my head, but I'm just trying to take day by day and take these questions week by week to hopefully uncover something. Because, like, even that... uh like I said, me not feeling like I'm enough, I feel like that constantly. And that's a vulnerable thing that I'll leave on here is like I f- constantly feel like it's not enough. And what I do is not enough, whether it is or not. I, I don't know. I ha- and I have no way to measure it either. And I wonder how yeah. you guys feel about that. For, you I, for, I for yourself as, individu- as individuals. I feel the same way, but I feel like
1: I've always felt that way. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> the one thing that I'll always like remember is in, like in elementary school, let's say in first grade I'd look up to the third graders and be like, Damn, they're so they're so like grown up, they're so mature <laughs> and then I became a third grader, looked up to the fifth graders I'm like damn, like they're so tall and they're so they're so awesome, they're so cool. And then thinking like in middle school too, like in sixth grade to the eighth graders, like, man, when am I gonna be that cool? When you know, when am I gonna start growing facial or like <laughs> shit like that, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like so it was always like, When will I get there? And when I got there I never felt like I was there. So I feel like that's just you know me and and I I think a lot of people maybe feel that way. I don't know about the majority, but I know that there's, there there's people out there that feel that way. And um, <coughs> even now, I'm just like, damn! Like, when am I gonna get there? And uh, when was this? Friday or Saturday night? Saturday night. Um, a uh, a classmate of ours from high school asked me, "Are you gonna go to our 10 10 year reunion?" And I was like, you know, I've thought about that, and I, I told myself I wouldn't go unless I was, like, successful, like, where I want to be. And she's like, but you are successful. I was like, no, I'm not. Like, what I'm doing, like, that's not, <coughs> excuse me, that's not where I want to be. Like, she's like, yeah, but you're not, like, a loser. Like, you know, you didn't, you didn't go off. You didn't trail off exactly. and fall off the wagon. I was like, no, I know, like, I know that, but it's just, if I'm not where I want to be at 28, then I, I don't want to go. Yeah.
0: Where do you want to be at 28? I like, want it for sure. Is, and okay, because she goes into this with Tim Ferriss, which I'm gonna bring up another time. Because like mm-hmm. I said, I literally have a page and a half of like <gasps> material here that I'm like, okay, like this is a shit ton. And I knew I wasn't gonna have enough questions. That's so why I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, excavate all this stuff that we're talking about via just conversation versus yeah. having questions pre-written questions written out like I normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's interesting. And so so let's let's start with that. What is at this moment? If you had success, what would that thing? What is that? What would that be?
1: To be, like, a, an entrepreneur with, like, one or two stable, consistent businesses. Okay. Because I don't have a timeline. I'm still kind of trying to figure out this first, like, side business. Mm-hmm. Or at least, yeah, I'm I'm trying to still, like, I haven't gotten all my my ducks in a row with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still kind of researching and Same. and learning. Yeah, and that's stuff. why I haven't done anything. I haven't so, I, I don't necessarily have a timeline. But if by 28, I can have two... I guess little side hustles, in order, then I'll, I'll be
0: okay. You would feel like you're okay. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. What, what about you, Eddie? What yeah. at this? Because we've talked. We talked about success. I think I feel like we talked about success at the beginning of the, of the episode. Like this is like episode one, two, three, four, five. You know, at the early stages. But you know, has it changed for you? And could you define what you're at this moment? Let's say tw- at the age of 28, where do you want to be at the age of 28?
2: Man, at this point, I'm I'm pretty convinced. It's like that quote from Mean Girls: like the limit doesn't exist. It's like pretty much like that, cause like you were saying, Brian. It's like, well, I got there, and then it didn't feel like I was ever there. Yeah. And I feel like the the more I keep climbing my own little ladder in my head, the ladder of success, if you will, uh, it's it never actually feels like I'm there. But when I look back into into things like you know, I, I start being all retrospective. It's like, no, it's like you know, I've made some progress. It's it's, like a, it's come away. Right. Like you know, like I was thinking about this with uh, with my voice actually the other day, and. Because my voice has like been something I've kind of like been struggling to like find again ever since like we started gigging in bars a lot more. So um, I kind of went off into some really unhealthy habits, which um, caused me to pretty much go on this deep dive soul search for my voice again, which has like been ongoing for the past like at least year and a half I think. And uh, so it's like I'm sure Walker's noticed it. Like I've I've been really self conscious about my voice a lot more <laughs> yeah. lately. So, yeah. um, but I feel a lot better about it now than I've like th- than I've ever been. Even like in college when I felt like on top of my game, like I feel way better about it now. Um, just kind of rediscovering how to do things and relearning how to do things. But every now and again, when I feel myself slipping back into that negative mindset, like oh, like I'm I'm retracting, I'm going backwards and going backwards. I've got to like remind myself, like nah, dude, you. Dude, you're like you're a lot fucking better than you were like when you got out of college. Like and I've gotta like remind myself that of just little things like see like like you were doing this thing in college or this bad habit or or you weren't able to do this yet or whatever. And now you've totally got that under control. And like not every day is a hundred percent, but you're a lot better than better off overall on average than you were, yeah. you know, way back when. So I just kinda have to keep reminding myself of that. And uh you know, that kind of keeps me sane on that whole, you know success is never achievable thing because you get there and then you don't feel like you're there, you know? So it's, I kind of have to put myself in that mindset of like, you may not, it may not feel like it at times, but if you look back on it, you have grown. Yeah. You know? uh,
0: maybe, maybe that's how it should be too. Like you need to be able to look in retrospect and see growth and like, okay, yeah, no, there has been some things i have grown. Now, one thing that b- before we continue, I wanted to venture into your, your transition, Eddie, from the voice you use on the EP versus the voice you used on the record.
2: Yeah. 17 hours. So, like, uh, you want me to talk about it, like, technically yeah, yeah, speaking? Yeah. Uh, well, maybe not technically speaking, but, like,
0: I guess your mindset of wh- how did you, Like, your mindset going into the EP and maybe how you thought you had to be versus the 17 hours where it's like, man, this is different. You know, it's different. It, vocally, it's different. You don't have to go necessarily technical, technical on it, but the the mindset.
2: Well, the... The mindset from the EP was was literally like just the cliche young kid. Like I think I was uh, 19, 19 or 18 when we laid down. No, it's definitely 19. Yeah, 19 years old. When when I went in to lay down the vocals for all those tracks uh, for the EP. So uh, in my mind, I was still like, ah, I'm I'm a pretty good singer. Like you know, like in, in <laughs> yeah. my mind, like I was just as not cocky, but I was confident. I got you know, this. I, yeah, I was like, I got this. Whatever. But even then, like I'm just shouting left and right all over that, you know, <laughs> all over that EP. So just not, which is not healthy singing. But, right. um, but I think a lot of it too was as a lot younger. Then I could get away with a lot more of that. You know, my body could take a lot more of that. And now, th- getting older, I definitely cannot take that anymore. I cannot take like two nights in a row of using bad technique. You know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely pay the price for it. For you know, and need vocal rest for a whole day or half a day at least. Um, versus back then where I could you know, shout all day every day and be totally fine whatever but the mindset going into the full album was different because at this point I was already as I had mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago like deep down into my soul searching to find my voice again so I was already it, I was already in the rough waters of finding my voice again you know I was set sail on that rough patch so it was it definitely had the capacity back then to play a huge mental trick on me like it would, it would totally ruin my confidence sometimes. And I'm just kind of like, fuck, I'm just, I'm not a good singer anymore. Like, What the fuck? These notes used to be easy. They're not easy anymore. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Like, you know, I was like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. But, <laughs> you know, it definitely played a trick on me mentally. And the only thing that saved me that week of recording vocals for the album was that I'd taken a voice lesson with my voice coach, Jamie, um, the couple of days before we went to go do those vocals. So he totally... I mean, Jamie's a magician, man. Like, he totally opened up my voice again and helped me find a couple of things that I had long gone, been missing. So warming up with that CD every morning before going over to record vocals was huge for me. Like, it, it totally saved the whole process for me. And then soon after that, a couple of months later, it's like, oh, back to bad habits, back to this, back to that. And then, like, you know. And then uh, and then after that, I settled in on routine, and I was like, okay, i got to really nail in on this. i got to settle on a routine, so... Every morning it was run two miles, um, you know, for every cup of coffee I drink, you're drinking two bottles of water, um, drinking aloe vera, doing healthy things, working out, um, warming up, the voice, like with the with the Jamie CD, all of this in between the hours of, you know, 7 a.m. and 11 a.m. So that was routine for me. But um, I think recently I've, I've felt more confident about it, and, and I've had more chance to to settle in on some major vocal rest because I'm not teaching voice anymore. So I'm not having to use it every day, which has been nice. And I think out of that, having time to allow myself and my vocal course to just decompress a little bit has been really helpful and has even like allowed me more time to just find my the natural rhythm and sound of my voice again, which is that's been the most help.
0: Yeah, because even like when we played Hesek this past weekend, you said you used your muscle memory just because like our situation It's like yeah that that sounds about right that sounds good because I mean, cause, I mean th- those type of situations sometimes can't be helped but when I when you said muscle memory I'm like good like you know at some point like you got, we have to we have to literally just run with what we got and and honestly I mean for my, like, I, like I said in the text I'm like for me I heard I heard I could hear Eddie I could hear myself I could hear my guitar I could hear damage guitar. I was like, I can hear everything.
2: <laughs> yeah, the the monitor situation on on Saturday really wasn't entirely terrible. I could have used more of my voice, but at that point, I was like, well, I can hear enough of it to where I can I can just muscle you memory the rest, it. and I feel okay. But um, I would not have felt that comfortable with it if we were talking like three or two months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, the biggest thing actually was just not straining so much because when I was like in my deep dive soul search to find my voice again, I was so. Obsessed with it, and so in my head about it that I just couldn't freaking relax. Like you know, everything was like an uphill battle. And when you're singing, it's like, well, you need to like you need to be entirely like your whole body needs to be relaxed. Like you want to feel as though your your head is like a like a bobblehead toy. Like you know, like there's no tension in the back of your neck, the front of your neck, um, your larynx. um, You know, you want it to feel as just naturally as relaxed as possible. So it's. I mean, when you're inside your head so much trying to figure shit out, that does not help you relax at all. It's the worst. (laughs) So, I mean, like this Saturday and lately, as I've been getting back to a better spot vocally for myself, it's a lot of it, the major key, has just been relaxing and just kind of, just own it, dude. Just relax, 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 relax. You're fine you know
0: yeah it's interesting because even even that like if, on and i don't know how, how much you have to say it to yourself but like you after you say like the certain word for for so much like repeatedly it turns into a type of meditation which like uh tim Ferriss brought up tim, tony robbins also brought up it's a type of even almost transcendental meditation because transcendental is the same uh tone repeated over you know for a long length of time mm-hmm. uh But anyways, what I wanted to jump into because I like that you said that as far as like feeling a certain way. And one thing I want to bring up and to I kind of brought up like as far as like culture and like today's society. And the main thing that uh, Dr. Brown brings up is that in today's culture, especially in the United States, is that we live we live in deep scarcity, which is defined as never being enough. Never enough. You're never good enough. You're never rich enough. You're never safe enough. You're never powerful enough. You never have enough you never do enough all everything like that that that's the culture we live in so like you know getting into your mind like oh that's not good oh that's not good that's not good now maybe sometimes you're technically flat you know we're talking about pitch. if we're talking about pitch you know you're technically flat um, or like let's say me let's, let's just say I play a wrong note well then it's a wrong note that's different but uh, generally you know getting into our heads um, and then another thing that I want to jump into is uh, another I guess the biggest thing is not being relevant enough given social media and like that whole landscape and these people that go viral and then you know they're in you know they're viral one day and then you know the next day somebody else is viral. Yeah. And then you know uh, one thing that we talked about with, with Eddie's radio promoter was like we want to be on the radio longer. <laughs> you know, you want that longevity char- yeah, versus want, yeah, longevity versus chart position versus where it actually stands, which is interesting, you know, uh, of being relevant. You know, I, I, I found that really really interesting because I, I was already doing some of this listenings when we had done this uh, radio interview slash uh, little set. Uh,
2: Man, that was, in that was, that was a really cool talk. Uh, can I plug that really quick? Yeah, actually? go ahead. Yeah, yeah. because um, it'll actually air after this because it's coming out Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. yeah, it'll be Saturday. Cool. So yeah, the uh me and Andy when we were in um well me Andy and me Walker and Gonzo were in the Houston area this past weekend before we came and played Hestek in Edinburgh here at, at the university in Edinburgh. On Saturday, we had a show on Friday. And well, Friday before the show in the afternoon, me and Walker went and did a radio interview and we played some songs. And, and it was just a really nice, cool conversation. And um, I finally got to meet the radio promoter that I've been working with. We've been exchanging emails and phone calls, text messages. And it's like the first time we've met in person. So it was really cool to just sit down and, and talk and whatnot. And um, anyway, I'm just going to plug this shit really quick <laughs> for y'all. Uh, the air date is October 14th, 5 p.m. Made in Texas radio.com. made in Texas So uh, I hope you get a chance to, to, to check it out. We, we actually even talk about the podcast yeah, for uh, a little bit, Keegan which is really cool.
0: I was like, I was like, are, it's like, are you sure? And he's like, if it weren't cool, I wouldn't let you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, that's interesting. Okay. Cause one thing that I found recently and lately for myself is, uh, minimally, but being asked questions about, me, which I'm not used to, because usually I'm the one asking questions, trying to excavate. Like I said, excavate and try to do things. And the first example that I have was from two weeks ago when I was helping my mom with her small business, the small biz, business expo that she was at. Uh, some client or potential client customer came up, and she and I was there, of course, helping my mom with her sales. And she's like, "Oh, what do you do?" I was like, "Oh, I'm just here helping my mom." Like I, I took it very literal, which is yeah. kind of the way I do things. I've I've had this conversation, I think, with Gonzo, actually on the I think on the road trip at some point. And I try I said something that I thought was funny. And I laughed at it. I mean, I thought it was funny. And then Gonzo <laughs> didn't laugh. And I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, I think some shit's funny. And like, I know, I, I find that it's not humorous. So I, there's nothing I can do about that. But, you know, because I, I am essentially 90% of my stuff is very literal. And even when I laugh about something, you know, it has to be really off the wall. Like, something. and usually it's what somebody else says, you know, it's, I, I, just, I just find it funny. Like, Luis thinks I laugh at everything. I'm like, Why well, I don't laugh at everything, but I laugh at a lot of things. But anyways, um, it's interesting so she's like, no, like, what do you do? I'm like, well, and, like, and I wasn't ready for it. So I was like, well, I'm a musician, you know, I, and I wanted to say entrepreneur, but I'm like, no, I, I'm i just, a, I'm a musician. I do that full time. I play guitar and I, I went off, I went on that route. So then when Keegan brings up, hey, you hey, you want to plug the podcast? I was like, is, is that okay? He's like, he's like, I wouldn't ask if it weren't okay. I was <laughs> like, I'm like, okay. So I I try to do it as best I can. Like it, it, it bothered me like, to the point to where I, I felt sick after we left because like I got really deep in like two minutes. <laughs> like it didn't take me but a minute to like start talking about. C- well, in fairness, he brought up, "Oh, what's been your latest topic?" And I'm like, "Well, funny you ask, because we didn't record because of the Las Vegas shooting. So, the one of the episodes, I think it's episode 30, 38, and I think I said that was, you know, it's an excerpt that didn't make the podcast because of how deep it got. And it's like, well, was it I'm like, well, self-awareness, you know, not taking things for granted, you know, remembering that we still have many women o- overseas and all, all everything that every can listen to in episode 38." i um, from the excerpt, and, and it got really low, really quick. And was like, "All right, Eddie, so honky tonk promenade," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and and I didn't get to finish because like I I didn't I didn't I did, for one I wasn't expecting to talk about it period. And then when he asked about topic, I was like, "Well, that's the most recent thing that came up," and that's how deep we get in this podcast. And I I veered away, but like you know today we're talking about vulnerability and you know escalating ourselves, but that particular excerpt didn't make the first run on purpose. You know, it was taken out for a reason that I feel like, okay, now's the proper moment for it to be released. Yeah. But, uh, but it was interesting. It was still a cool conversation. We still got to meet some, I mean, I got to meet, uh, it was Jen and Keegan yeah. uh, from Made in Texas, which was really cool.
2: Yeah, for sure. And he, well, even like Keegan got kind of deep there for a second, mm-hmm. just I guess as like kind of a preview for, yes, the, uh, he brought for the, up. the talk. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, he brought up like what happened in Vegas. We played, um, the first song we played was When I Was Young, which is my current radio single. And, um you know, he kind of, I guess, drew some connection from the message of the song to what happened in Vegas. And I, man, I was not prepared for that. I was yeah. like, oh, "Talk about something else." Yeah, yeah, it. seriously. <laughs> and and that's
0: one thing that me and Eddie talked about after. Like, because Eddie's like, "Man, that like, he got really deep." And I'm like, "It's interesting because it gives me a different perspective. It, it allows me to see a different perspective and try to be not even empathetic because I'm not I'm not his his situation. You know, he has a family. He probably has kids too. So so when you have a a tragedy like Las Vegas." People lost their lives, and you hear it when I was young, and you think about man, when I was young. You, you, for him, it's whatever led him to think about Las Vegas. That's I think that's very interesting because I know when I listen to it, I have my own point of view. When we talk about it, it's our point of view. So I thought it was very interesting again to reiterate that Keegan brought up Las Vegas, like oh shit, like I didn't, even, I never, it never crossed my mind to think of Las Vegas when I play that song. Cause, yeah, because for me, it's like it's more like like I brought up on the on the excerpt, you know, in my arms instead. Like that for me, that's a personally heavy song. Like I I take that one very serious and whatever. But when I was young, it's like I I take it seriously and I put it for myself. You know, I don't I don't put somebody else, you know, someone, you know, when I was young in Las Vegas, you know, like putting that concept, which we can we can continue. (laughs) I don't want to I don't want to get deep right now. Uh, We're getting close to wrapping up here, but uh, super interesting. But anyways, yeah. So madeintexas.com,
2: madeintexasradio,
0: madeintexasradio.com, five pm,
2: five pm central, um, October fourteenth. Okay.
0: So, you people in India and Australia and UK, you guys can listen and just type in that to the interwebs and you guys can listen too. Uh Pretty cool, actually. Like, there's, we have, like, I don't know who they are because I'm not able to see everybody's profile, but we're sp- there's, pre- there's pretty good consistency with who's listening, at least from the locations of who's listening. Rad. Super interesting.
1: I was talking to Nichin about it. Yeah. And he's like, how many, like, listeners do you guys have? And the last time we talked about it, I think, what was the number you had given me? Or that you we had said here? on the podcast or I don't, I, actually I don't even think if we talked about maybe a couple podcast. hundred, <coughs> I t- I, you know, throughout the, but at some point I had heard like 200 maybe. Yeah. So that's the number again. I was like, honestly, we haven't talked like numbers, but, uh, oh you might want to edit this out. I don't, I don't know. But so then I, I told, I told Nichin, you know, we have so many, um, listeners and I told them, yeah, dude, like we have some from like, like not, not just here in the U S not just in Texas, but like, I know you had mentioned India and Australia. So I told him and, and he was like, "Wow, dude, like that's pretty that's pretty cool. It's pretty crazy that people out there are listening to, you know, us here recording in deep South Texas."
0: Yeah, so so I just pulled it up. So for the past 30 days, we have 130 listeners from the United States. We have 5 from Germany and 4 from the UK.
1: Dang, that's crazy. And
0: the top cities is Auburn, Virginia, Ashburn, sorry, Ashburn, Virginia. Oh, wow. Edinburgh, Texas and Robstown, Texas. Wow. So that's what we got. They changed the format, which I really dislike, because they, they used to. just show me everything. But come on, know.
2: SoundCloud, go back to that shit that was working. Seriously,
0: like, yeah, this is conf- now. I need to refer this. Anyways, so in the past 30 days, there's been 158 listeners, or they, or 158 tracks have been played, where they've been counted as plays. So, mm-hmm. um, and i I'm, I still can't remember if that's only SoundCloud or if that encompasses like the RSS feed on like Stitcher and then uh, iTunes as well. Because I know th- it gives me the stats for that, but I don't think it's summa- like a summation of everything. Anyway. That's what it's at right now. So you can let them know 150. I mean, that's right now. But I know we've, yeah. I mean, if you at look at it. some point, we Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it varies. I mean, it varies. It varies. And really, the 30-day mark is what you want to see because that gives you, like, a good general scope and lets you know who's listening to what. And, and frankly, I honestly think, and for you all listening, maybe you can get back to us and let us know. But I honestly think people are just trying to catch up, especially because the first ones were pretty long, or some of them are longer than others. Yeah. Versus like this hour, like you know, now that I'm trying to trying to veer into like an hour long podcast mm-hmm. with great, you know, or like sufficient value, um, you know, a lot of people are you know listening to that, you because know? even at the even at the made in Texas deal, we uh, I brought up Joe Rogan, you know, three hour podcast, three four hour podcast, it's like yeah, it takes forever to listen <laughs> to get through one of those, you know, yeah. so you know I'm I'm definitely still mitigating, still still maneuvering, but uh, that's that. All right, I'm gonna. We can finish up. I, I have no more questions because the the last two questions I have are very rhetorical. Which I'm gonna I'm gonna say them anyways right now. But uh, after I give the piece about vulnerability, so people can ponder on, and we can, I I I still, at least for now in my head, I do plan on coming back next week and continuing to uncover and trying to bring better questions. I, right now, I did try to like just maneuver a lot. Uh, because, like I said, I, I honestly felt like I didn't bring enough questions, and I, I brought okay questions, but I feel like they could have been better. And some of the ones I asked, you know, for bait, you know, uh, impromptu, if you if you will, uh, came out better than ones I had written down. But uh, so vulnerability, according to Dr. Brown, is it's necessary, and the way she says is like you have to have the willingness to be the first one to say I love you in a relationship. You have to have the willingness to do something where there are no guarantees. And she goes on to continue. She continues uh, as the video goes on that I watch. is, You know, letting ourselves be seen. Loving with our whole heart. Practicing gratitude and joy. And the final one, which is her main one, is no saying I am enough. And I wrote that down very specifically because I feel like like I said, like, I, I know I, I, deal with the, I deal with this every day where it's like, you know, I feel like what I do is never enough. I feel like, no, I, c- I could do more, I could do more, I could do more. And then I come into my room and I just pass out for 24 hours because just, I'm just deadbeat. You know, my, my brain's just fried. So trying to figure that stuff out. But, you know, mitigating between, okay, I'm doing good and, and this stuff is meaningful. So the, I guess the final tie-up, because I, I did say this in this episode, is the compassion to be kind to yourself first and then going from there. And that's all we've got for today, that's our hour. If so you guys wanna give your social medias and whatnot, we can come back next week with a follow-up with this topic. Because I feel, uh, again, <clears throat> you know, making the f- initial connection and then coming back to this and hearing Dr. Brown do, I mean, I don't know, if, I mean, I guess this is my state of mind Right now, but like, you know, imagine doing research for 10 years, which essentially, I guess my example would be playing guitar for 10 years and now trying to make it, you know, or not even trying to make it, just playing music now and having an opportunity to get, you know, besides monetary, but also going out and get to play, getting to meet people and do this for a living, essentially. But uh, anyways, we can get to the social medias. I'm pointing at both of you, whoever wants to go first. <coughs> so I haven't given out
1: my, uh, the internet social media in a while, but today I want to. Cause I recently, I'm gonna call it a soft launch. Yeah. <laughs> I recently Sorry. accidentally soft launched, <laughs> 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 and I'll Recent. tell you about that after. Okay. <laughs> um, I recently soft launched uh, the Etsy store for the Intronaut. So um, if you want to check it out, uh, look up the Intronaut I guess on on Etsy.
0: You just type in the Intronaut like <laughs> like a search engine search mm, bar type. Thing actually, I don't what? know. I
1: don't know how you can Cause I directly to do find one. me, but. All right, go ahead. Um, Look me up on Instagram at theintronaut underscore. Uh, intronaut is spelled I-N-T-R-O-N-A-U-T underscore. Uh, the link to the Etsy shop is in the bio. <coughs> and uh, just want, I do want some feedback on the designs that are on there or stuff that you might like to see. I can basically make almost anything happen if you, if I get enough people to show interest in it. So, yeah, just let me know what you think about it look me up on Instagram and
2: Twitter and Etsy. Hey y'all. This is Eddie speaking. Uh anyway, so all my social links are actually on com. So that's world wide web. Dot <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> did did, did, did <laughs> this is like totally tangent but did, you have to, did we ever, ever have to type in worldwideweb.com? Nah, no, right? that's it's just a, what stands w- for. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I just, I just, it didn't cross my mind until you said it. I'm like, wait, do we ever have to do that? But no, I guess not. Okay,
2: sorry. Anyways, <laughs> Eddie, com is actually the easiest place to find all those links, and I really should have been saying that from the get-go. But uh, I wasn't for some stupid reason. But you can find all those like links at the bottom of the webpage, like where the footer is. Um, you can also, you know, check out the tunes and, and buy them. Yes. <clears throat> If you won't, only if you like them. If you gonna like them, not gonna pressure you into it. I and mean. to be fair,
0: like, honestly, that's one thing that I say because I'm working on some shirt designs for the concept of moving with life and what stuff that I've been thinking of and uh, pondering on. But it's kind of the same thing. It's like, if you're not gonna wear them, don't buy them. <laughs> you know, like, like I, I mean, there's, there's a concept. There's, a, there's a thought process behind these, and and when, I when I do that, like, it'll, it will be probably a soft launch as well. I'm almost done doing the samples. And then we'll get those on Etsy. It'll be on Etsy as well. And then I, I need to figure out the whole website thing. But we got that. So, yeah, get Eddie's music. You won't regret it. Go watch us live. We'll be – actually, well, actually, we can, you can do this also. So you have the Made in Texas radio, and then we have Cedar Park Wild West for the first time.
2: Oh, yeah, October 26th. That's coming up. We'll be opening for the Powell Brothers, some seriously talented dudes. So, uh, Cedar Park, I guess we'll see you soon. I think that's um, on some side of Austin. I north, don't know what's North side. uh northwest. North yeah. We try okay.
0: right off at of 35. You're heading out towards uh towards I don't know where heck you're. Anyways, yeah, north north mm-hmm. north uh northwest. Well north we'll see the twenty
2: six. Uh we'll take off like the twenty third just to plan for that traffic. And uh twenty yeah. third? That's a joke. <laughs> I was like, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, it's a joke about Austin traffic. I'm and in I'm I thirty five construction. Dude, for real though.
0: And then thirty yeah, anyways, we <laughs> yeah, that'll be that. So we'll be out there. Uh be it'll be a good time and then uh and well, then we'll stroll back after. To oh, go uh, to um,
2: Coastal Bend friends, we'll see you October 21st at yes. uh, at Ingleside, Texas, at Backwood Saloon.
0: So Robstown, I see that you're listening. So we'll be out there. Come say hi. Come say hey, what's up.
2: First round's on me, maybe. <laughs> nah, it's on me. <laughs> but only first first person.
0: <laughs> first person to come say they listen to Moving with Life, you can <laughs> you can. You can <laughs> there you go. That's you a good way to put it. Hey,
2: we heard we heard this plug on Moving with Life, and we wanted to come take you up on that beer. In which case, I'll just buy you a bucket of beer. (laughs) (laughs) What did they say swinging with life? (laughs) (laughs) Wrong podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's the same one anymore. Oh, it's so good. That's a good story. Uh, Moving with life, everything like Eddie's is also on movingwithlife.co. Finally got that website launched. Um, Fell off the grid for the past couple weeks uh, as far as posting observations, but uh, all in due time. They were up there. And then, of course, all the social media links are to the right of it on the sidebar. You can find all that stuff there. And, uh, you know, any feedback is, of course, appreciated. Any type of review, subscription, questions, answers, dilemmas. It's all good. The quote for this week comes from Theodore Roosevelt, which Brene based one of her books off of. And this is from, I don't know if it's like an essay or if it's a book in itself from Theodore Roosevelt, but it's called The Man in the Arena. And these are verbatim what uh, Dr. Brene Brown said, so I, I'm, I'm sure she's like, you know, paraphrasing, but the quote is, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points at the other man in the arena who's stumbling and falling. The people who count are the people in the arena. Theodore Roosevelt.